Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. I've <laughs> <laughs> seen a six-foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural. Lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big. Mm -hmm. Abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the... Welcome back to Cryptids of the Corn Podcast. <laughs> I am the great and powerful mystery. And I am your spooky co-host, Jay. <laughs> and together, we're bringing you another amazing installment of this series. Yeah, it's amazing and wonderful. <clears throat> Fantastic. And you guys will have to forgive me. I almost lost my voice over the weekend. Last Yesterday at work, it was very bad. Uh, so this Wednesday... You will hear the update of how this weekend went because so many epic things happened. Many, many epic. Many a, many a thing. But, Jay, do you know what today's topic is? Um, Today's topic, no. It's the Arkansas Giant Killer Centipede. You don't say. I was going to say, I, th- I think you do. I do know a little bit about this one. But before we get into it. We have a lot of stuff. Post Town Elementary Live Show. April 22nd, get your tickets now, still on sale, uh, Middletown, Ohio. Link below. Um, yes, it's I us. I think there's an ad that plays at the front of the episode now, too. Oh, okay. Well, but still. No, still. If you guys want to, please come out, support us, have fun. Hillbilly Horror Stories is going to be hosting yeah. the event, live show. We're going to do an episode live. You can be there, listen we're, to so, us, meet us, yeah, touch our legs. A, we're going to do a lot of video stuff that we don't normally get to do. Like, uh, specifically with some of the organic UFO stuff. Yeah. We've been saving some videos back. They're pretty short videos, but they, it's going to be fun to kind of talk. So we're planning on doing a, lo- a much more interactive thing with the audience. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And if, if you're lucky, I might let you touch the, my hair on the back I of my head. I will let everybody touch Jay's head. <laughs> Not everybody. Everybody. No, only the special select few that... Uh, All of you that buy a ticket are the special select few. Exactly. <laughs> oh, All right. God. So... Once again, we're talking about the Arkansas Giant Killer Centipede. That was our talking point this uh, past weekend of recording this uh, at Encounter Quest, which was an amazing event. Mm-hmm. You will hear more about later in the week. Uh, but front of house stuff, I'll burn, burn through this real quick. Uh, thank you for Justin Kim for and having us down as speakers for this past weekend. It was great. Uh, I don't think it'll be our last time speaking at their events. Nope, it will not be. Uh, we have a YouTube. Uh, there's some custom stuff on the YouTube. Like... Uh, Last week, as of recording, or so, as of recording, so I haven't done this uh, yet. As this comes out, last week we had some people on to talk about Mendezu and stuff like that. And we've had some really cool interviews, so please go check them out. Like Jade already said, the live show. If you're coming to any of these events, let us know. Nicole was this past weekend's event. She told us she was coming, and I recognized her. So that was really fun. That's neat. Yeah. So always try to. So I'll try my best to like at least learn your face. Uh, email is the best way to contact us, and that's cryptosofthecornpodcast.gmail.com. So please, let's talk about our new five-star reviews. Ooh. We have three of them, but before we do this, please, and all of your platforms, I know for a fact Spotify has a five-star rating button, like you can leave five stars. 
And then uh, Apple Podcasts, you can leave five stars and you can leave a review. Mm. You leave a five star review, we will read it on the show. Yes, we will. Yes. So, Egg Bread. Ooh, my, I really like this. His title was Sasquatch Flying UFOs, question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, and he said Chewbacca was soft disclosure. That's it? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Egg Bread. Thank you, Egg Bread. Now, he, he may be. There you go. Uh, my voice is so weak. The worst Chewbacca impression ever. Uh, I just think of that Chewbacca mom. Chewbacca mom? Oh, gosh, with the mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dirty Lucky said, uh, in this title, great informative show. Okay. Greetings to all who are reading this review. I was introduced to these two via Tony Merkel's show on the confessionals and was very, or is immediately impressed by their dynamic energy and seamless collaboration. Their approach to each episode is rooted in a strong, thorough process, which I find particularly engaging. I appreciate their relatability and uh, authentic nature of their style. I wholeheartedly recommend this podcast due to the scientific rigor, informa- or informative content, humor, and the human touch. Informative. Signed, The Great Turok. Oh, The Great Turok? Yes. Like the game? Yes. Nice. Thank you. You know, you do do very rigorous planning for all these. I know, because last night I forgot I had to do one. Uh-oh. I was up so late. It's for Patreon. So, uh... But I was up so late researching stuff, and then I got in a rapper hole about giant Pacific octopus. And it was like, <laughs> it's bad. We do bring a human touch. We're very authentic. You're not even human. <laughs> uh, no, so thank you, the great Turok. I do remember the video game. Never played it. Me Watched a lot of playthroughs of it. Yeah. Watched Turok stab the T-Rex. It looks like something I always wanted to play. I just never got it. Primitive Ark. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, so the last one for this episode comes from LJ Skies. The title is One of the Best. Ooh, okay. Truly excellent podcast with information for the masses. Thank you, gentlemen, for your hours of entertainment. Keep it up. Well, thank you. Uh, no, for real. That's thank awesome. Thank you all. It yeah. really brightens our days. Yeah. It's still like almost... Surreal? I guess so. That we're a nationally ranked podcast with many amazing, awesome no. listeners and friends. Well. That, yes, but nationally, that's, I mean, that's a byproduct of being professional podcasters. We've oh been professional gosh. podcasters since day one. We are the definition of fake it till you make it. No, and we knew it. We we uh, did. I'm not saying we didn't, but I'm just saying. We came out of the box as professionals. I mean, there's no <laughs> there's no other way to Do put it. Do you want it. me to play the Hodag episode? Let's Do you see. want me to insert a clip of the Hodag episode here? Why did you even mention that? Yeah. Just. Because I think everyone's really needs to be taken back down a peg. You know what? I just try to try look myself in the mirror and so, boost my confidence. Speaking of Patreon, that is something we offer. Bring up Hodag. Uh, we have to today before Jay leaves. We have to set the Patreon bingo date. Ooh, Patreon bingo. Uh, so we do games every month and stuff like that. We try to give prizes out and all kinds of stuff. We have an exciting time. Uh, but our new Patreon member for this week is Angel Sanchez. Ooh, welcome, Angel. Not the other Angel Sanchez. Yeah, we have two Angel Sanchez's yes. in our. And it Patreon. was very confusing at Fair. first because I'm like, anyways, but no, thank you, Angel, for joining us. It's been a, it's a blessing. Unless he just joined twice on two separate accounts just to, just to help us out even more. Yeah, you can always up your donation. Our top tier technically is ten dollars. Yeah, but you can always just put that you want to donate three hundred thousand dollars a month or whatever. Oh, if there's any donors out there that, if there's any really wealthy people, yes, and you, if, and if you know, if you can spare it. If if you if you're not wealthy and you know a really really wealthy person that just likes cryptids and science lessons and me screwing off, send them our way. Please. We'll take we'll take a three hundred thousand dollar monthly donation. Or a gov- I'll take a single or a government check. I I'll shill. I will. Yes, we will. <laughs> Won't take much. Yeah, it's like anyways. So we're gonna talk about the Arkansas giant killer centipede. So if anybody that came out and seen us, you already heard our presentation. This is going to be the much more normal version of our show, more relaxed. Because mm-hmm. uh, we were first off on the show, we have a hard time, like uh, in the live show, we have a hard time constraint. Because there's people that are around before, after, and that kind of stuff. So it's rude to right. eat up their time. To overstay your welcome. And secondly, we wanted to offer people questions, which we should have had more time for because we went over our time limit with just questions alone. Yeah. And it was, fu- it was fun because a lot of people didn't even ask us questions about the presentation. Yeah, it was yeah. I know we had like, like two, and that's it. Which is fine. It means we got all the information out there. Yeah, 
Uh, but we're going to talk about the Arkansas Giant Killer Centipede. Woohoo! Woo! Uh, this also referred to the Ozark Giant Centipede. Um, do you want to do it how we did it on the live show? We can if you want. I don't even so, need a script. <laughs> I don't think it, we do anymore. Yeah. We practice so much. No, so people have been seeing this thing in the Ozark Mountain Range uh, since about the mid-1860s and a little bit before. But that's just our first documented one. Right. So, Jay will actually... This will be weird for listeners at home. Jay knows two of the accounts beforehand. He actually knows the whole presentation. Yeah. It's the first time. Uh, but no, it's specifically seen in the Ozark Mountain Ranges, uh, which is uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, and Arkansas. Majority of the Ozarks are in Arkansas I and still Oklahoma. Can't believe, still can't believe Kansas is part of the Ozarks like mm-hmm. mountain range. Like that's that's just weird to me. It's a small sliver. I know, but it's still but made it's there. It. Yeah. Uh, there's often two different sizes of this creature being seen. This three to four footer, and then this uh, ten to twelve footer. Perhaps different phenotypes? No. Oh. Age. Age? You think so? It's just age? Yeah. It just takes a while to get big. I suppose. I suppose. It just takes a while. I suppose. Jay was supposed to have... I So we will have a YouTube video out with the presentation on it from the conference. And Jay was supposed to add quips and stuff like that and froze. Just sat there smiling. The press kept getting pictures of Jay sitting in his tinfoil hat on stage smiling. Well, you know, I was infatuated with your presentation. <laughs> I was in awe. I was just watching. <gasps> oh, wow. So why don't you, like I said, there's two major accounts being seen of this creature. Why don't you tell us about the centipede in the jar? Ooh, we're going to start with that one. Yeah, because that's actually historically the first, first one. one. Okay. We did it in the presentation because the pictures, but there's no pictures of audio media. Right. Audio media. Yeah. <laughs> My voice is all raspy and scratchy, so I'm using it. You sound like a, I don't even know the guy's name, some CBS sports baseball host, Scott something. All right, so our first account takes place, and this um, refers to the smaller size giant centipedes, the two to three footers, the, the, the smaller class, before we get to the monster size, but... This was a two to three foot long centipede that was first discovered and or first like accounted for in the 1860s in Jimmy Creek, Missouri. Um, it's about this. The story goes there was a man that was strolling down by the river, down by the bay where the watermelons grow. That's not the one I was going for. Oh, there was a man in a van down by the river, mm-hmm. living in a van down by the river. So, but he's down by Jimmy Creek. Missouri, and he uh, sees this two to three foot long red centipede, and there's a couple versions of the story. One is he took his pistol out and shot the thing, pew, 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 which who shoots a bug? Not a bug. So centipedes are arthropods. They're actually their own group of arthropod. But arthropods are bugs. No. No, wait. Arthropods are not bugs. Bugs are arthropods. Yes. It's like a tortoise... Is a turtle, but a turtle is not a tortoise. Correct. A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not always a square. Correct. Now you guys can kind of. I could keep going, I, but okay. that's all I got. I was gonna say you can't keep going. <laughs> Name another one. Uh. <laughs> um. Ooh. Wait. Uh, no, I don't got. Nothing. I know you don't got. I one. was gonna do some crustacean or something. Let's hear it. Oh, oh, here we go. A fat mucket is a muscle. But uh, I don't, I don't got nothing. I know I, you don't. I don't know. I don't know. All right, all right. Back on task. Back on task. All mollusk or all mussels are mollusk. I should have said mollusk, but not all mollusk are mussels. Yeah, I was I was getting there. I just couldn't find the words. I know. All right, all right. So Jimmy back, Creek, Jimmy Creek, Missouri. Big centipede. He either shot it or he just whacked the thing with a stone or. A so yeah, speaking of that, he killed it. Yeah. There's a couple versions of a lot of these older stories. Right. And we kind of, for the presentation, just picked one. Right. You know, because it, it really didn't matter, matter. Regardless. If, if he beat it with a stick or he shot it dead. Yeah. Or it was like, so Jimmy Creek story, it was either crawling down the side of a ditch in the road, mm-hmm. like he was walking on the road, or it was in the actual creek bed. Right. And he was walking down the creek bed. So does that really matter for the actual connotation of the story? No. That took place 160 years ago? Yeah. So, no, it doesn't. What matters is a man claimed to see a giant centipede and kill it. 
Correct. Now continue. What happened with Wood's body? So he collected the specimen, the two to foot, three foot long red centipede, and he preserved it in a jar with ethyl alcohol. I made I don't that think up. It was ethyl alcohol. <laughs> I made that up. I think it was just alcohol. Yeah, probably just like shine. Probably moonshine. You think that would like dissolve stuff though? Don't no, you? we used to preserve preserve an alcohol. Really? So we mm. preserved when I worked uh, either in formaldehyde or Ugh. ethyl alcohol or just you. Really? But but one of our crews ran out of ethyl alcohol in Kentucky. They went to the liquor store with the MBI card. It was great, and bought all the Everclear. Oh gosh! Because that's they need a really high proof alcohol to preserve their fish. Yeah. And it was so fun at the end of the year having to explain how that's a write-off. Oh, okay. Because we're not allowed to buy any alcohol. You can buy food, everything else. You can't yeah. buy alcohol on the card. But it was like we bought alcohol to preserve fish. <laughs> yeah, preserve fish, which he did. Anyone ever like take a sip out of it after I the fish it. are in there? No. Like, like no. tequila and the worm, you know? Ever clearing the fish or a frog or something like that, you know? We might be on to something. That could be our new cryptid drink. We were talking about sodas earlier this morning and having our own cryptid sodas, but I think having a fish in a bottle of Everclear might be our new selling point. <laughs> It'd be so disgusting. I mean, you wouldn't taste anything. Um, so it's the novelty of it all. I know. That's what I'm saying. Don't eat it. Yeah, you got to eat it. Do you know why the end. worm like does stuff to you? Doesn't it soak up like all the toxins? No. What? It starts decomposing, but most of the decomposers won't survive in the alcohol. Uh-huh. So nothing's really happening as it's breaking down. Okay. So it's kind of rotting without rotting. It's a really weird process. Ugh. And that's why you like trip out because you're just eating a whole bunch of toxins at one time. Here's an idea. I know we're very off topic, but let's have Everclear with pickled eggs in it. And then you can eat the eggs and you're done. Now <laughs> your mind's blown. You're you're considering it. You're considering it. I think I don't think you'd have to pickle the egg before you put it in there. I think <laughs> if you put a hard boiled egg in there, it would just pickle. <laughs> this is an experiment. We're gonna have to try it. I do have Everclear. I bet it would be the grossest thing you've ever eaten. And rightfully so. I, but <laughs> but it's the novelty behind it. The novelty. All right. Okay. Continue. So back to where he we puts were. us in this jar. Where does it? Where does it end up? He has this this two three foot long red centipede in a jar, and he takes it to his local drugstore, and they put it up on the shelf for display. And uh, hundreds of people came through, and it's, I mean, it's your local drugstore. It's like the, everyone has to go there for, you know, whatnot. It's probably like, you know, so the general they, store keep and mind, everything. This is the 1860s, everybody. Yeah, it's like yeah. the general store. Right. So, so you could buy your cocaine there. You could buy your, well, I mean, Her- that's your what heroin. They, that's, they, that was medicine. I know. So is heroin. They used to give kids heroin basically as cough syrup. No, it's cocaine. They give cocaine syrup as cough syrup. Uh, they did something with heroin too, and oh, it was created by Bayer, uh, a, a German Nazi organization that's still uh, very prevalent today. Bayer, we gotta get moving. Okay, um, so uh, hundred people claim to see this thing on display. You know, go passing in and out, but then well, yeah, what happened to the town? So if if hundreds of people seen this thing on display, yeah, it was on prominent feature in this town uh-huh. in northern Arkansas, uh, Missouri. What did I say? Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah, Jimmy Creek, Missouri. Yes, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what happened? Yeah. yeah, funny you ask. There's a little war that took place in the 1860s that happened. Uh, you know, it's called uh, what's it? Uh, oh yeah, the Civil War. The whole town was leveled. It was destroyed. The town doesn't exist anymore. Everybody, the creek's still there. <laughs> the town's not. And along with the town being leveled, so did. Our friend, the centipede that was on display, also got the the drugstore, the centipede, the people. Yeah, he's gone. They're all gone. There was a lot more important things going on at that time, and no one really cared about recovering this centipede in the jar. So, I mean, the whole point of that story is it did. Ex- we believe it did exist. There was hundreds of witnesses to see it. It's just unfortunately, it got lost to time and destructive human behavior. So that's the first story. Of- of that giant centipede in the Ozarks region. The next story took place in the 1920s. And there was involved a couple of these kids walking through a woods in Missouri. Um, or no, 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 this was the Arkansas one. Last one was Missouri. The, um, these two kids were walking through uh, 
what did I just say? Arkansas. Getting sidetracked here. Okay, getting... And uh, they discovered this two to th- another two to three foot long red centipede. But what was different about this one is this one was coiled around what we speculate to be... They described as white worm-like things. We speculate it to be... Juvenile. C- juvenile centipedes. centipede larvae. And this thing was coiled... The centipede was coiled around it. And... Um, so the kids start poking it with a stick. Rightfully so. I mean, I would do the same thing. A big bug. I'm going to start poking with a stick. He's seething at me. Seething. <laughs> there we go. We haven't used that in a while. <laughs> um, and the centipede actually lunged out and bit the kid, one of them, in the leg. And this, from the bite point, created necrotic flesh. His flesh started... Becoming necrotic. Yes, becoming necrotic. It was... It was, it was bad, and so as he got bit, he probably I would freak out. I'd be a little upset. But his other friend that was with him took his stick and just beat the darn thing to death and killed it. And yeah, that's pretty much. So the kid got bit. His flesh was rotten. We're in the at the bite site, and the local newspapers then reported on the story. So yeah. And they said it was extremely odd for an arthropod to be protecting what they presumed to be its young. Yes. Uh, which is kind of cool because it's really cool cooperation, which I kept forgetting that word on stage. Cooperate? Yeah. Cooperation. <laughs> uh, I think I, I, think I actually... You, you picked probably, it up because yeah. I, I, you've seen I was struggling for the word. See, that's how we, that's how we function. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so what happened is like... So this is 1920s. Most scientists around the world that know giant centipedes from all different clades... Uh, did this with her offspring all around the planet. But we did, this wasn't common knowledge until like the 70s. Wait, oh, did this as in he's protecting, coiled the around The female them. was wrapped around their larva until their exoskeletons hardened. So when the babies hatch, they're white. Uh, and then as they as they turn red as their exoskeletons harden. So mom pretends like is their body of armor until their exoskeletons harden. So this is a story from the 1920s that has scientific cooperation that wasn't common knowledge until the 1970s. Right. So 50, 60 years later. So, so for not saying that nobody in the earth knew this happened, obviously people did. But I'm saying common knowledge ubiquitously across the planet. So for a 1920s newspaper editor in nowhere, Arkansas, this isn't the New York Times. This isn't, you know, right. this is a local newspaper. It's, yeah. To know this, it, was, it would be very impressive if it was fake, fully right. fake. Right. Uh, and then the necrotic bite. Giant centipedes from around the planet have necrotic venom. We'll talk about that in a bit. So that's a defensive bite. So that's it did what it was supposed to do. Uh, the next really big story we have is probably the most famous. If anybody at home types in giant centipedes of Arkansas, this is probably the story that'll come up. So a deer hunter was out. We called it two deer hunters. Daphne actually did art for this, and that's the prints we sell. And it is amazing. If you'd like a print... Contact us. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if we have any left. Right, yeah. They're limited supply. They are. Once the 50 are gone, well, that's, I think we're down to like 38. Just a few left. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, what is that? Oh, so a guy goes into the woods going deer hunting. He is in public land in Arkansas, uh, Sebastian County to be specific. Uh, he comes into this area and he sees a deer laying down having seizures. Obviously, this is odd, so he doesn't directly approach it. He kind of starts getting closer and closer. Now, as he gets closer, he sees that only the center, the chest, and the, the belly of the deer are moving, and the head and legs are still. So that's that's a very, very odd. If anybody knows, seizures normally affect the extremities more than the core. Uh, so he kind of skirts off to the right-hand side of it, and he sees what he thinks is a giant snake dragging this deer backwards. Ugh. Uh, this is the mid 1990s. This is right at the start of the giants, uh, the giant snakes of Florida epidemic and stuff like that. So in my head, that's kind of what he's thinking he's seeing. So you know, giant snakes aren't the fastest predators, like they're ambush predators. So once you see them, their ability to catch you goes way down. Right. Uh, so it's like it's weird when you think about yeah, giant snakes kill people all the time, but if you see a giant snake. It's probably not going to be able to kill you because you can just walk backwards. It's not like that movie Anaconda. Yeah, they're not like the fastest things. Yeah. There are fast snakes, but pythons, anacondas, stuff like that are not incredibly fast on land. Gotcha. Um, 
So he starts following it, and then finally he gets a closer look, and he realizes it's not a giant snake. It's a 10 to 12 foot long giant centipede. He describes it as being dark red with yellow legs, having heavy armor plating on the back. Uh, and once again, he's still not like completely terrified of it. So he keeps following it, following it, following it, and gets to this clearing. And as it gets to this clearing, so there's a cliff face behind it, stuff like that. As it gets to the clearing, he's, the centipede's trying to drag the steer over a rock pile, and it starts struggling. And then all of a sudden, the centipede freezes, rises up like a cobra, and looks right at the guy. The guy says, uh, you know, it's looking right at him. He backs out of there and never goes hunting again. That's the end of the encounter. So when you look at this, uh, centipedes antenna are used for everything. They have eyes. They're not very good. Uh, so they have their sense of smell, touch, and even a limited uh, hearing is in their antenna. So what probably happened is the centipede didn't know he was there until they got to the clearing and he could smell him. And then it took you. It took this defensive posture to be like, hey, this is how big I am. This is my food. And then the guy backed off, and that's the end of the encounter. Mm. So once again, a 10 to 12-foot centipede is a very scary animal, but not a monster. I w- eh, never mind. Probably not. What? I was going to ask a question. How, yeah. how do centipedes poop? They have an orifice at the end of their body. I mean, but they it's just like normal. like It's normal arthropod poop. I don't know what that looks like. It's like a little turd. I can only imagine what a 10 to 12 foot one. Have you ever seen, like, have you ever had grasshoppers or something like that that poop on you? Can't say that I have. It comes out like little, like almost like little roundish bricks. I'm just imagining, though, like, you're the guy, like, going through the woods and you find this little pile of It would probably look like everything else poop. And you're just like, ooh, let me analyze this scat. Who? Who's going to be out there analyzing Some naturalist. No. Some tracker. Some tracker's out there looking for this giant uh, buck. It's just Roman. And he sees this. He's like, ooh, I'm on the trail. And then he's like, wait, what is this? A giant centipede poop. I just wonder what, I don't know. If anyone could, I'd, oh, I've seen this before. This is giant. This looks like centipede poop, but it's massive. <laughs> There's probably two people on the planet that could do that. Yeah, I know. Right? Maybe. <laughs> There's no way that anyone would know. There's no way. Maybe two people. They would, if anyone actually identified it correctly, they would be an absolute expert. So the last story uh, for Encounter-wise that was, it was actually personally told to me. And this is one of my favorites. And Sherwin actually did the art for this one. Uh, and it's called Who's Looking for Who? Uh, we gave all these little names because it was fun. Yeah. Uh, no, so guy, so I'm in Arkansas. And I'm asking at a bait shop if anybody's ever heard of Bigfoot. If anybody's ever had a Bigfoot encounter, stuff like that. You would be that guy. Yeah, I was. Uh, and cause I, I didn't care. You, the worst thing people are going to do is make fun of you. Right. Yeah. We've been there before. Yeah. So the lady's like, no, nobody here's seen Bigfoot, but X has seen a giant centipede. This way before I was into any of the extra stuff. Yeah. I was into lake monsters and the Bigfoot. And I'm like, well, what's this? Which that remind me of your letter or your paper you wrote. Well, that's save that for Wednesday. I know. Uh, so I'm like, well, yeah. And I was hanging out at the bait shop for a while. Because right, keep in mind in Arkansas, pretty much there's no such thing as a one like a, a one thing store. So this bait shop was also a little restaurant and also like a grocery store. Gotcha. So in this little town in Arkansas, it was about eighty percent of the business went through this. <laughs> uh, this is the central hub. Yeah, I didn't go into this on stage a lot because it's just like it does not pertinent for the story, but it's like, but no. So the guy that's seen the centipedes, his one of his best friends comes in, and he tells me the story, and. He describes, uh, basically, this guy's going turkey hunting in the spring, and he's going to his tree stand, and as he's getting to his tree stand, this gigantic centipede, uh, but another 10 to 12 footer, was working its way up his ladder, using its antenna like tentacles and wrapping in and outside of the ladder rungs, and obviously, he took off, never went hunting again, but he said he was looking for something. He was looking for me. He was very confident, so the guy's telling me, his buddy's very, very confident that it was looking for him. Mm-hmm. Personally, we talked about this. They use their antenna for everything, smell, touch, feel. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about centipede biology here in a bit. But I think it was probably either looking for like a squirrel, a raccoon, something like that, a much smaller prey item. 
centipedes and everybody's seen the videos in captivity and stuff like that where they have these giant Vietnamese centipedes and they throw a rat to it and it fights the rat and kills the rat. Yeah. But that rat has just as much chance of killing it. Like they also, there's videos of them feeding giant Vietnamese centipedes to like puffer fish and stuff like that because they're not that hard to kill. Right. I've seen frogs kill them. Yeah. They're not yeah. that hard. Uh, you know, that's a, one of the bigger species of centipede on the planet. And they're not that hard to kill. So outside of captivity, centipedes, and we'll talk about that later, but they don't punch above their weight class. Right. Uh, they can avoid it. They will avoid it. But so this story, you know, it's very s- simple and it was just, you know, it's not told to me directly. It was a secondhand story, but still feeding that same thread. And these things, these are the four stories we kind of picked, but there's a lot of centipedes, dozens and dozens of encounters over the last 30 or 40 years of two to three foot centipedes in the Ozark Mountains crossing the trail in front of people. And people think they're snakes until they get closer, like, you know, copperheads and that kind of stuff. There are a lot of copperheads in the area. It was one of the most caught snakes we were when we were down there catching snakes. We'll, we'll have to get one and, like, contain it, get a terrarium here. and have A, a ten, centipede? No, a ten to f- an Ozark 10 to 12 foot giant it, one. It'd be easier than keeping a small one, I'll tell you that. What is it? Yeah, yeah. If it escapes, you might know. Like, yeah. You see the big hole in the wall it just burrowed through out of? They're not very good diggers. Oh, okay. They're not very good at anything. Besides being quick. Let's turn your garage into a giant glass cage. There we go. Uh, anyways, so I you, oh so it's still it's still seen all the time, uh, and it's just weird because it's always seen in the Ozark Mountains, which we'll talk about. Yeah, but this is one that like there's a ton of little encounters where it's like yeah X seen a two to three foot centipede. So the U.S. is kind of absent of a giant centipede. Our our now good friend Daryl Sims was talking about his grandparents in Texas. Literally could hear the centipedes in the walls. Yeah, that was pretty. The walls. That was a pretty awesome story. Uh, and he was talking. I didn't. We didn't bring this up on stage. He was talking about tiger centipedes. Yeah, which are the U.S.'s largest species. There's tigers and there's blue tiger centipedes. Mm. Uh, the only difference is a like phenotype. Ah, there you go, Jay. Finally, we get the phenotypes in here. One's orange and one's blue. Mm. Blues are much more rare. It's kind of like crayfish. You know. Yeah. Crayfish can be blue. Yep. That uh, rare blue crayfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can make them blue in captivity, like they blue they lobsters. Select, yeah, they selectively breed them in captivity to be blue. Mm, okay. Um, I think we've seen them before, at the pet store. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, yeah. This is if anybody's ever wants to own a centipede, this is the species you probably own because they get fairly large, but their venom's not that powerful, and they're not the best escape artists. Centipedes are famous in captivity being escape artists. Mm, okay. So if you own a Vietnamese or an Amazonian giant he's centipede, probably gonna get out. It's not good if he gets out because yeah. you're not going to find him. Yeah. And he's got a hell of a bite. Mm, scary. But so he's talking about these Texas or these tiger centipedes. Tigers max out at six inches, which sounds like a really big uh, arthropod. But when we're going to talk about like Sculpedia gigante here in a second, they get up to 20 inches. Amazonian giants, Vietnamese giants. Uh, there's a couple other species in Europe that get really big. So the U.S. is kind of absent on a giant centipede. Or is it, you know? Is it? Bum, bum, bum. Stop rubbing your beard on the mic. It's getting caught, but it kind of feels good. We'll stop. It picks up. Oh, whatever. Uh, So let's talk about the biggest centipede in the world. It's still alive. Scolopedia gigante. It's the largest living member today. This centipede has a really weird history. Uh, It was first partially described in 1959 but it wasn't fully described until 2000. So some people at home may be asking, why such a long gap? Well, it's from Central, it's from Central and South America. Uh, there's already a giant centipede there, the Amazonian giant centipede, which it was until this thing was fully described, the second biggest species of centipede on the planet, topping at around 17 inches. Uh, so Scolopedia gigante, it's also called the yellow-legged giant centipede. Uh, the adults are super, super rare. So what was happening is they were finding the juveniles, which looked pretty similar to the Amazonian giant centipede juveniles, and just assuming that's who it was. So the adults almost exclusively live in caves and eat bats uh, because they're very, very shy. But they it took so long because it took forever for them to find a big one. And once you see the adults, they do look very dramatically different from the Amazonian giant centipede. But the juveniles are pretty indistinguishable. About the same looking yeah. thing. Yeah. Bright red centipedes, you know, just yeah. saying like, hey, don't mess with me. Right, yeah. Uh, so, But these guys can get up to 20 inches long, so they have about three inches on the next biggest species of centipede on the planet. Which 20 inches, that's still pretty big for a centipede. I have, So that's my, my small mouth on the wall in the other room is 20 inches long. 
Okay, there you go. So if you imagine a centipede that big? Yeah. Of course you would compare Almost it. Almost a pound? You would compare it to a fish on your wall. I mean, that's what most people that li- especially listen to this show. I know. They're most of them are fishermen, and they've held they've held twenty inch walleye and stuff like that. It's just funny, though. You know, people catch you know, a sixteen inch walleye is legal. Yep. So this is four inches. It's a perch and a walleye length. There you go. There's weird unit measurement for you. <laughs> it's a legal perch and a legal walleye. You only get that here. Only get that here. No, so they get really big. Like it's just crazy. And then we don't have many of them in captivity at all. Because they're extremely shy. They, like they're, I think there's only been two or three adults mm, okay. actually caught. Yeah. And now that we know what they're what we're looking for, we catch a lot of their juveniles. Uh, yeah. But why don't we find the big ones? It's because everything likes to eat them. So centipedes, their tails mimic their heads. Their last pair of legs are elongated to mimic their antenna. Uh, because primates specifically, but mammals have figured out once you pin their head... They're pretty easy to kill, and there's a lot of food there. Yeah, they can't do much to you. Yeah. So the big guys hide. Uh, they And these guys have extremely powerful venom. Hematoxin, neurotoxin, and necrotoxin. So they attack your nervous system, they attack your bloodstream, and they attack your flesh. Mm. Uh, and they pretty much only overpower their prey. So these guys are extremely, extremely shy. Their venom is pretty much only used for defense. But other, so pretty much giant centipedes around the planet all share some commonalities. Uh, they're really good moms. So he told some of the stories earlier where this big centipede was wrapped around a whole bunch of babies. So what? that's what centipedes do, specifically, gi- specifically giant centipedes. They lay a whole bunch of eggs, and eggs are really nutritious food for a lot of other you know, arthropods, insects, that kind of stuff. So they wrap around them, and they sit there the whole time they're incubating. And even after they hatch, the mom will hold her clutch really tightly so none of the babies get out until their exoskeletons harden. And then she can let them go. Then they're on their own. Right. They'll Which figure is it out. still really good for yeah. an arthropod. Right. You know, it's they don't have their their intellect level is not extremely high, so just having that ability to sit there and protect the offspring for such an extended period of time, and not eat most of them. Right. Yeah. Is very impressive. Resist that temptation. Uh, but they are the adults are extremely shy. Like I said, the, pretty much these Scolopedia gigantic adults are only found in caves. The couple adults we found are bad eaters. Uh, because they just go into these little environments, these nook and crannies, where they can't be found very easily. Uh, so another thing is centipedes pretty much only eat things in the wild that they can easily overpower. So smaller things. Yes. like Smaller they than them. They really, they have to. Yeah. Like In captivity, we kind of get this idea that they're monsters, but it's because people want to make cool videos, and they pit these things against other things. Right. They're probably starving them. Yeah. Well, it's... They're, they're, if you watch these videos, they're horrible because there's no cover in there, so the centipede's already threatened. Right. In captivity, if you want a really comfortable centipede, you should never be able to see it. And that's why they're not really good captive animals. Yeah. Because a really good environment, they don't want to be seen. You mean they don't want to be in a big, empty glass case? Yeah. And so you throw a rat in there, and then it's it's already keyed up that, yeah. you know, it's going to fight. Yeah. So it's going to fight. Yeah. And then the rat has just the likelihood of killing it. Mm-hmm. The rat may not have venom, but it's got a very strong bite. Oh, yeah. And centipede's bodies, you know, they're armor-plated, but they're not that strong. Right, exactly. Its legs are actually very delicate and stuff like that. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's just ridiculous. I want to eat. If I, We should. We need to do an exposition and catch a 10-footer. You don't want to eat bugs, but you want to eat this thing? Yeah, because it's big. It's got a lot of meat on its bones. So these guys only bite when they're feeling they don't have bones. <laughs> I was waiting for uh, you to say that. I try to. These, you try to ignore me. Yeah, <laughs> these guys don't bite very often. Almost all the bites on the planet are on hands, and that's saying that yeah, it's because people are trying to pick them up. Mm-hmm. In fact, Scolopedra gigante is the most venomous of the giant centipedes on the planet, and has only ever killed one person, and it was a 24-day-old uh, infant girl. And what had happened is it got into her crib. Centipedes are attracted to heat, and it was probably laying against her, and she turned and pinned it and bit her. Yeah. Uh, but almost all the bites from these guys on the planet are on their hands because people are trying to pick them up. That's a, here in the U.S., uh, specifically northern Appalachia, that's a big thing with copperheads. People think copperheads are these monster snakes because they'll bite you. Mm-hmm. Almost all copperhead bites are on the hand. What that tells you is people are trying to pick them up. Why are you trying to pick up a snake? Especially because copperheads, like, they run from people. Yeah. And then they'll turn and defend themselves once they, once you've, so people may not even realize they're following them because they'll stay on human trails. Ah, okay. So you're chasing the snake in its head. 
you've been chasing it for 100 yards. Keep in mind, it's like a foot long. Yeah. So, you know, it's you've been chasing it for two miles in its brain. Mm-hmm. So you've made an attempt. You, you've decided that you're going to eat it in its head. So it has to turn around and they act hyper aggressive. Gotcha. And then people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to take this stick and I'm going to scoot it off the trail or I'm going to, you know, and they don't realize it's striking range and stuff like that. And it bites them. People, it's really rare to die from a copperhead bite. Moral of the story, carry a machete with you at all times. Leave the snakes alone is the moral of the story. Oh, okay. Like, leave everything alone. You don't want to get bit by something venomous? Bring small firecrackers. Leave it alone. Oh, okay. Leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. I give the worst advice. Yeah. Uh, so how big do centipedes actually get, or have they gotten, Jay? Well, you're talking scolopedia gigante? No. Oh, oh, you mean in all of time, that recorded history. So giants of our past. Yes. Now we're going to talk about Arthropleura. So not uh, not specifically. So Arthropleura is a family group of giant millipede centipede ancestors. Um, I cannot, I'm not even going to give you the species name because I don't want to. I didn't do it on stage. I'm not going to do it here. But the big Arthropleura has got between 10 and 12 feet long and up to 200 pounds. In fact, Arthropleura in the coniferous period was the biggest land animal on the planet. Big bug. Arthropod. Oh, yeah. There were big bugs at this time. Yeah, but not as big as this. Not as big as this. I mean, there were, were dragonflies the size of uh, eagles and hawks, but not, you know, a 200-pound, 12-foot-long giant centipede millipede. Yeah. These guys were close ancestors to centipedes, but not, not direct centipedes. They were humongous, and they were heavily armor-plated. So they almost look like, uh, kind of like more like turtles from the top, where they they had these giant armor plate ends on each body section. Um, then, but they actually they also had these hinges in their body sections so they could stand up. So they weren't very tall when they weren't standing up, like when they wouldn't raise like a cobra. Mm-hmm. So there were predators. Most of them were giant amphibians. You know, some of these amphibians were getting six, seven foot long, so they could you know think of an arthropleura as prey until it rose up and it was towering over them be standing six or seven foot tall right and then it's like okay you know that thing's massive yeah like uh, okay let's yeah. turn around and leave so yeah but we believe most of these uh arthropleura were herbivorous but there are some species that paleontologists at least think were omnivorous if not carnivorous so how can we tell this you know if something that died out 290 million years ago because uh, we have their cousins we still have their descendants oh. You know, so we can look at their fossilized mouthpieces, their mandibles, and we can compare them to modern day gotcha. species. Uh, and we can see that this mandible set matches this modern species, and this modern species is mostly herbivorous, and vice versa, you know. So we have, you know, arthropods, specifically the centipedes and millipedes, have survived a really, really long time on the planet. So it's easier to look back at their history. You know, it's harder for dinosaurs because we don't have any, we have birds, which are descendants of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. But we don't have any true dinosaurs left. Right. Uh, crocodilians are really easy to study in the past because they're still here. They're still the same thing. Yeah. So we have a better idea of their biology in, in the past. And so that's kind of what you look at. Uh, so these guys, they fossilize really great. They, they find whole fossils of them being armor-plated animals. Uh, you know, they they have a bigger window of ability to fossilize. Right. But yeah, so they went extinct at the end of the Coniferous period. We're going to talk about why didn't they get big again. So the Coniferous period went into the Permian after that. The Permian is when, like, these giant, and I may be wrong on the Permian. I get the, the eras mixed up. There's a lot of them. Yeah. But anyways, they were replaced by synapsids and thanapsids, which were early reptiles, early mammals, and even pseudo-reptile mammals. Proto-mammals? Proto-mammals, uh, whatever you want to call them. I remember you saying that word. Yeah. Uh, they're all kind of the same thing. These were things that some of these things would become reptiles, some of these things would become mammals, some of these things would become dinosaurs. So it was early stuff like that. So we're going to talk about why arthropods don't get big anymore. So at the end of the Coniferous period, into the whatever period was after, we had giant bugs, giant arthropods, giant insects, giant arachnids. There was a spider the size of a small table. Ah, uh, screw that. A tra- like a tarantula cousin. Screw that. So... Why don't they get big anymore? Well, most of you at home in your science class may have heard this one. There's not enough oxygen in the air. 
this is now the biggest misconception in science. I, I'm trying to remember where I learned that, and I think there was this Discovery Channel documentary about, like, they were talking about, you know, the giant scorpions and giant, like, yeah. crustaceans and giant bugs that lived on the land, giant arthropods. And they were all said, oh, because the oxygen, the environment, the atmosphere was full of oxygen, like oxygen rich and heavy. So these bugs and arthropods and all these other, you know, things in that class, whatever you call it, you know what I'm trying to say, but grew these amazing sizes because it was just such a big oxygen rich environment. So they say that and then they said the same thing about the dinosaurs, which were millennia later, yeah. a long time after. Yeah. So if... And then we know that's not factual about the dinosaurs either now. Uh, the oxygen levels are like 27% right now, and they were 35% during the Permian. Mm-hmm. Not the Permian, the, the coniferous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was a, they took a long time to fall that low. That may not sound like a big difference to everybody at home, you know, whatever, 35 to 27. That is still a staggering difference in right. percentage of gases in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but they would have had many, a long time to adapt and stuff. So most scientists believe they would have just kept evolving. And they would have got, they had kept their size and just got better systems to breathe. We don't think it's a limiting factor at all now. Yeah. We just don't. Uh, there are some studies that suggest when you keep modern-day arthropods in oxygen chambers, they grow faster. They grow bigger faster. Mm-hmm. And that would make sense. You know, it's just like anything, plants and stuff like that. You, you put them in specialized environments, they can't grow bigger faster. Uh, but most scientists today agree the oxygen is not the limiting factor for size of arthropods. Right. Uh, specifically, we have giant arthropods in the ocean with much, much lower oxygen rates. Now, keep in mind those creatures have a, a different system of gills than invertebrates, but they have gills. But giant spider crabs and stuff like that uh, get monstrous. Right. You know, some of these things are 25 foot across. Like look, the things of nightmares. Yeah. When and you they see would them. eat you. Yeah. Like people don't realize how big like these giant dungeons are not dungeons, giant spider crabs, giant uh, Japanese snow crabs. Yeah, can actually get. There was one at the Gatlinburg Aquarium. It's twelve and a half foot across. <laughs> and that's not very big for them. Yeah, I feel like as long as you get the first upper hand on it, it can't get you. But if it like grabs you first, then you're probably in trouble. Yeah, you're 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 in trouble. So the next one on this list is a little more. Uh, likely. Uh, exoskeleton limitations. So the arthropods have armor-plated bodies. They have exoskeletons. They have these things across their body. That's their support system. That's their defense. Uh, so anybody that's had a pet tarantula or a pet scorpion and it died of quote-unquote old age, what it died of most likely was it not being able to get out of its last molt. So including giant centipedes today do this. They pull out of their whole exoskeleton in one go. And they die. So lobsters is the famous one. Everybody says lobsters are immortal. That's kind of true. Most of the time, only lobsters die of predation and from not being able to get out of their last molt. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lobster fisherman that's on TikTok and all that stuff that shows like some of these really big old lobsters. They can't even close their claws anymore because they're so, so packed in there. Yeah. They have so many layers of exoskeleton Yeah, that their arms don't work anymore. Can't he help them break free? No. I mean, you can't. You'd kill it. I want to break free. Uh, but that's what kills lobsters is they can't get out of their exoskeletons. That's what kills tarantulas, spiders, scorpions. Uh, specifically in captivity, a lot of people see it because they just, one time they have a bad shed. Uh, yeah. But the exception is arthropleura. We've already talked about it. We know of a millipede centipede cousin that got 10 to 12 feet long. So there's a couple of theories of what we think would allow this creature to get this big with an exoskeleton. And Arthropleura had a heavy, giant armor-plated exoskeleton. Mm -hmm. We think one of two things were happening, that it was either able to shed pieces of its exoskeleton instead of having to shed the whole thing at one time. So what that means is more like a reptile. Like, if you look at a snake, you can find a whole snake skin, and that's fine. But you can also find pieces of a snake skin, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. So they may be shedding their whole exoskeleton at one time, but they more, this exoskeleton more breaks apart as the creature is emerging from it, uh, which would make sense. You know, it just instead, so you would find like the big plates would come off. I mean, it may even been an evolutionary advantage if they were shedding pieces off because then the new exoskeleton could harden and so they weren't all exposed at one time. That's when like everybody calls them soft crawl crayfish is right after they molt. Uh-huh. Uh, so they're, like, their whole bodies are squishy, squishy like jelly yep, beans. Yep. 
So if you can avoid that, that'd be great. Especially if that's the only time you're really vulnerable in your life. And sometimes it takes, you know, we sometimes it takes tarantulas, a little spider, comparatively, you know, 12 hours, let alone what a 10 to 12 foot millipede centipede would take to get out of its exoskeleton. Right, yeah. So if you're just shedding chunks off, that's so much better because there's only one part of you that's vulnerable at a time. Right. Or a couple parts. Uh, the other one is they may have dissolved their exoskeletons. So what that means is we kind of think they may have been pumping digestive enzymes in between the new and the old layer. So they would create a chemical that like one side would be resistant to and the other side would be per- pervious to. Hmm. So like one-sided coins, pretty much. So this side of the coin, it's per- impervious to it. This The underside of the coin, though, is dissolvable. Yeah. So they would kind of melt off their old layer to create their, to get their new layer in. And then build a new one on top, yeah. bigger. Oh, and okay. Never mind, go on. No, so that's that one. I also have one other idea, too. Yeah. What if they gave live birth to already big arthropods? So they could, but you, it's still got to come out of it. Right, yeah. I'm trying to think of any insects, arachnids, any other arthropods that give live birth, and I can't. Okay, so, okay. What I'm not if saying it, it's impossible. There's always an exception to every rule. Yeah, but even, or even, let's say they gave, you know, egg birth. What's that called? There's a name probably for it. Uh, there is. I can't think about okay. it. It's laying eggs. But okay, they gave egg birth, but when they pop out of these eggs, they're already, like, big. They could know? be. So, yeah, they would be bigger. Yeah. Like, so Oftentimes, egg size is relative to body size. It's not starting from, like, a little, you know, two to three inch turd shaped. I don't think that's the case because of the next thing. Oh. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it's not impossible. Yeah, we're foreshadowing. So... These two are, you know, we went from really not likely anymore to, you know, kind of likely, but not really. This is my personal opinion. The real reason arthropods, insects, arachnids, centipedes, millipedes don't get big anymore. Okay. Their niche is gone. Okay. So everybody at home, a niche is, I'm sure most of you know, a niche is a job in the environment. It's a, it's a specific thing that that organism does. So after the end of the coniferous period... These early reptiles and mammals, or pseudo-reptiles, pseudo-mammals, came on the scene. Some of them were warm-blooded, some were cold-blooded. They got bigger quicker. They had higher metabolisms. They ate more food. They were active predators. Uh, and they could take advantage of colder climates and colder weather days. So when you're, endoth- or you're ectothermic, you're, you have to rely on the outside temperature to, for your body regularity. You're, very, you're at the will of the environment. Mm-hmm. You're endothermic. You create your own heat. First off, you have a really high metabolism, so you got to keep eating. Second thing is, you know, you don't really care when it's cold. You're still got to eat. Mm-hmm. So we think that pretty much after the carnivorous extinction event, like dinosaurs, for example, sauropods, the big long neck guys, they got big three separate times. So they went extinct, got big again, went extinct, got big again, because they were the best thing at their niche. Mm-hmm. Even when other things were trying to take it over, they still won out their niche. Now giraffes took that niche. Yeah. Because of a really big rock. Uh, no, so these guys didn't have that option. The guys that came in to replace them were better at their job. And it actually looks like it bred them to be smaller anyways. Because once the mammals, the pseudo-mammals, the pseudo start eating them, it was more beneficial to be smaller so you could hide better. Mm-hmm. So he specifically bred out, or these creatures bred out the giant arthropods. The smaller ones took hold because that's the only niche that was left. Gotcha. So if I just told you, all you guys at home, this, why could there still be a giant centipede in Arkansas? Bum, bum, bum. Why? I mean, it's, you know, I just gave you three decent reasons of why they don't exist anymore. Right, yeah. That's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> Star Wars quote. Uh, no, where are they hiding is the name of the system. The Ozark Cave System. So it's one of the most biodiverse cave systems on the planet. Uh, it's crazy biodiverse, including crustaceans, amphibians, four unique fish species. Uh, so the Ozark Cave System is kind of cool because it has water going in and out of it constantly. So it's super nutrient-rich, so it's super biodiverse. This would explain why the sightings are only in the Ozark Mountain Range in adjacent areas. Mm. Uh, this could also explain the limited or the very infrequent sightings that these guys are popping out of the cave system maybe eat roadkill. Like I believe that one story with the deer it was dragging back it was going to that cliff face because that's probably where its cave opening was. It's, I don't believe it killed that deer. I think it was a roadkill deer. It was taking advantage of free nutrients. Gotcha. 
Uh, so, like I said, centipedes pretty much only eat the stuff smaller than them. Cave's perfect. Right. The giant Scolopedra giganti, the adults live in cave systems. They prefer that lifestyle. But why would you be 10 or 12 feet if you're eating salamanders and crustaceans and little fish and stuff like that? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Eh, I mean... You know the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not just that, but... I mean, we talk about... Let's relate this to Bigfoot real quick. Let's just, you know, crossover. Bigfoot's big. Or not even Bigfoot. Let's keep it in the realm of animals um, that are known as science. Bears. Like, you taught me that. You know, bears aren't out there eating, like, deer and big kills. They do they, do that. They do, but they're... But that's not their everyday food source. Right. They're eating little things. Frogs, you know, berries... Almost all of a black Moles. bear in Michigan's protein source is frogs. Right, and People they're big. Think, yeah, no, I'm not saying they won't eat a deer calf, or they, you know, they won't, you know, they won't take an. They're advantage. opportunistic. Yeah. yeah, but they're big. Yeah. So why can't a arthropod? There you go. Why can't they be big if they're eating things relatively smaller than them, or just small things in general? There you go. But uh, there's another reason too. So in these cave systems, there's seasonal abundance of food. So if we look at the deep ocean, deep sea gigantism, what happens is when there's seasonal abundance of food, you need a big body to be able to engorge yourself. Store that food because you're not going to eat for the next six to nine months. Engorge. So in the Ozark cave systems, uh, I went down there for ring salamander breeding. So these giant salamanders, you know, they get nine, ten inches long. They breed in the thousands, if not the tens of thousands in these cave systems at a time. So literally, the whole walls will be coated in salamanders. Yeah. So if you're a giant centipede... It's like your dream home. Yeah, it is. Uh, if you're a giant centipede, you can eat as many salamanders as you can fit in your body, store all that food, and then not eat for the next nine months. So a bigger body promotes that. Even though you're eating very small things, mm-hmm. you need to be able to store that food. So you're basically using this giant body as a storage space for food. Right. Uh, so you don't have to move for the next... And centipedes are really good at that. Uh, in general, that's what they do in, in the wild. So that's and then everything's smaller in them. And like I said earlier, centipedes don't pick fights they can't win. That's why if you look at the encounters we told you about with this, even the giant ones, they never fought unless they were attacked. Right. They don't like to pick fights. Kid with a stick. Yeah. In nature, they do not pick fights they can't win. Most of the time when you see them fighting something bigger than them, it's because that something is trying to eat them. Yeah. Uh, and they just, you know... They don't start them. They yeah. just finish them. Their venom is designed for defense. Yeah. It tells you everything you need to really know about them. If you're using uh, scorpions, like uh, forest scorpions, for example, they if you look at their claws, they have these giant, big, meaty claws. That's how they're killing their food. They're stingers for defense. You know, there's other species that are using their stinger to hunt, but you know, forest scorpions specifically, they don't, they don't, they don't use that. It's it's for right. defense. It's for to stop things from eating them. Right. So that's pretty much the presentation in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, Jay? Do you believe this? I do. I do. I 100% believe this thing exists. I think it could be one we could find and discover in our lifetimes. Mm. I think they're most, I think they're very rare, even in the cave systems. Uh, I think they maybe even breed outside the cave systems and that you can find the juveniles maybe even outside. But I think pretty much once they get to be like four to five inches, they go back in the cave systems and don't come out unless, you know. Unless they're looking in a tree stand or something. And that's you know, dead deer and that could be when the years are. I I could have done a little bit better research for that. I wonder if those are drought years. Could be when the salamanders don't come in as high numbers. Yeah. When you know other food sources are really weak. When the cave waters going down, and maybe, there's not all the crayfish breeding and stuff like that. Maybe there was a train wreck and a chemical spill in that could be. certain could river be. system, and they're like no salamanders. First things that go in the environment and the water system is the salamanders. Mm-hmm. They're the precursor to you know. Bad uh, environmental factors, I guess. You know, quality. There you go. Am I saying all that right, yeah. roughly? I'm in the ballpark. I'm nobody's going to correct you. Well, you would. I'm about the only one that can. <laughs> I know, you would, yeah. Uh, but no, so that was our presentation. Yeah. I want, We wanted to do it as an episode. I know it's it was kind of a little bit of a different format than we normally do these. Kind of. But uh, just want you wanted to let you guys know what we do, because I mean, we pretty much, we're, our plans are never to do the same presentation twice right yeah no one wants to see that like you know that's each each presentation should be its own it's but unique. we do this you know we do this three times a week we make basically an hour-long presentation yeah you know some speakers at these events and stuff like that do the same present because they have a really you know they're known for a big thing right yeah that's just not what we do no we like to have fun and change it up and keep you entertained 
and informed. You know, we we like teaching you things. Yeah. So I have been the great and powerful mystery. And I've been your friendly neighborhood, Jay. And together we were Cryptids of the Corn podcast. Thank you guys for all your love and support. If you want to join for Cryptid Bingo, you better get on it quick because it's coming up in a couple weeks. Yep. And that's on Patreon. Any tier can join. All right. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash CryptoTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical.